Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to talk about Fury of the Furries. Mm, kinky. Yeah. <laughs> but before we get into that, uh, we got some feedback. We got okay. a message from our good friend Jonas over in Hawaii. Oh, yes. He says, Aloha, John and Aaron. Love it. Your magnets are in the mail. So oh, I, more magnets? Yeah, so I don't know Sweet. if you, you remember this, but on episode 100, far and away, the most popular giveaway item was the magnets. <laughs> yeah. And yes. so we are uh, getting some more of those for a special, you know, a future <laughs> special episode to give away. Sweet. And, um, and he also says, I put a little something extra in the box. Um, and he says, you'll have to backyard wrestle for this one, what, the, what he put in the box. That sounds good. He says, I only had time to retrobite the keyboard and one mouse. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So. Okay. Well, a good thing, Jonas, is that I'm pretty sure I can beat the tar out of boat in a backyard battle. <laughs> I'll cheat. I th- I, I, and you I'll know, sacrifice myself. I'm I like the necro butcher. <laughs> I'll just, I don't care. I'll be the first to admit that you could totally take me down in backyard wrestling. Yes. That would be that would be that's that's the 200th episode. I oh, and I always picture it being your backyard too. Oh you're yeah. climbing up on top the roof and the right off. Like, like like freaking Mick Foley yep. dropped the big elbow. elbow. Drop, yep. <laughs> he missed that elbow, by the way. Oh. <laughs> um, and uh, of course, you know the biggest event of uh, last week might be a little bit longer than a week now was your birthday. No. no. Please, and, let it die. And so, um, you know, I got you a little something that I wanted to give you live on the show. Oh, gosh, Boat. Good grief. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you took a picture of that before you destroyed mm-hmm. it, eh? There it is. <laughs> That's tremendous, actually. That really touches me. This is the the, ca- the arcade machine, which you can't quite see. It's a little bit off camera over here. I sold that to Boat. I can't remember what we agreed on. Probably hundred seventy-five dollars. Seventy-five bucks. And uh, my buddy Leroy, Uncle Leroy, he had painted the side of this thing, and this is a little snapshot of the of the paint job he did. Mud Mountain Main Machines. I can't remember. Was there any other art on the side? From there me? was. There was a Pac Man on right. there. Yeah, yeah, mm. he had. He had, I just I've, wanted, I've got pictures of that stuff too, but I thought that that was for for framing purposes. This you can will, put that up in the you building. Know, yeah, I was gonna say this is gonna go right into mm-hmm. the new arcade. Thank you, Boat. That's very nice. You're welcome. Thank you. And ironically, a big chunk of the things in the arcade are things you've given me over the years. <laughs> I mean, art wise, I got. In fact, I haven't put up the Cubert yet, but I've already put up the, all the other stuff. And the uh, and uh, I'm gonna put my Amigos magnet up in there too. Right now, it's on my fridge at work. So. It's gonna the, the magnet will come in handy because those walls are magnetic, right? In the building. Yeah, oh yeah, they're yeah. magnetic, and we've got magnets holding up a bunch of stuff. You haven't been over there for I the haven't. longest time. I haven't. You need to come over this weekend. You, you haven't had me over. You're well, having parties. With I haven't the had me over. Chudley and Matt, you're having just you know. Uh, you were you, you could have came over for the draft last week. <laughs> well, I could I couldn't have come over for the draft. <laughs> yeah, I had other plans, I but 
That's why I'm wearing my Dallas Cowboys shirt. We had our boat is now in our fantasy football league, American football. And uh, in fact, we play this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched yeah. any of the game last night, but uh, uh, I, by the way, you're out of the suicide. Pool. Yeah, I did, I did. I did not do well. Uh, um, and, I picked the Patriots to win, and, and they Brent's out. They lost well. in a glorious fashion. Yeah, and they got crushed. Yeah, oh, no yeah. surprise. Yeah. But. Uh, so uh, we had our fantasy football draft in the arcade. It was the first official event we had. We've had in there, and it went pretty well. All things considered, but Bud had to be out that day. But yeah, that was actually two weeks ago, and we talked about it on the podcast. Was already. it two weeks ago? Yes. God, what did I do last week? Help me out here. Last weekend, you were preparing to go get all your Amiga stuff. That was Monday. Mm-hmm. And so the two oh, days oh, before that. Oh, I went that, to Ch- Chudley's house. Right, which close. you didn't invite me. That was why this whole thing started when you say, you know, you never come over. And I said, you're out gallivanting with your other friends all the time. Oh, yeah, gallivanting. That's what it was. It just, it just gallivanting. There's a reason why I ordered that Omega stuff on there. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Is there any more feedback? Um, No. Okay. That's it. Good job, Jonas, by the way. Thank you very much. Yeah. Your mates are always, are always welcome and a hit. Aloha. <laughs> I wish I could say that without sounding like a jerk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't have anything. Hey, y'all, or whatever. That's hey, it. y'all doing? Hey, y'all. You know. Um, so, let's have a quick chat about the Amiga Adventure. Uh, the, to get the $250 batch of weird stuff. Uh, it went without a hitch. Uh, me and the family went up. For those of you that have forgotten their word here last week, in a fit of boredom, I got on a Facebook marketplace and somehow managed to purchase some local Amiga stuff, which is unheard of. Uh, I've looked and looked, and you never see anything. Now, local for us may be different than what you consider local in England. That's right. Local for me, in this case, was a straight two-hour drive uh, uh, through some interesting roads. You know, it's funny you should mention this. I just for, I, I, maybe people know this. I didn't know it. I looked up, I wanted to see how big in, the, the entirety of England was compared to West Virginia, right? And that the thing I got on Google, looked it up, and England is exactly 2.1 times as large as West Virginia. Interesting. That's the think about that for a mm-hmm. minute now. So effectively, it's like West Virginia combined with say Ohio, right? Right. Which over here is not much. No. You know, so it's it. Anytime I hear people and and uh, on the radio talking about it, I had to, you know, I didn't want to drive to Blackpool or something because mm-hmm. that must be a real. I, and a lot of them don't. A lot of people are there. I guess a lot of them don't drive at all, right? Right. Which they've got a great transit. But mm-hmm. Over in, over in the states, you got to drive. Otherwise, you're boned. Yeah. Because our public transportation's crap. Mm-hmm. And so for us, I mean, driving like you were talking about going to Columbus. Columbus is what about two hours, fifteen, twenty minute drive, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just did it on the afternoon. Came back right. the same day. Mm-hmm. That's that's the way we do it. Yeah. Right. And I was the same way. Two hour drive. But uh, anyways. Uh, it was an interesting batch of stuff. It was not exactly what was billed when I picked it. When I bought it, uh, the picture I saw had some uh, Genesis games and some Saturn games on a little pile, but I didn't get any of those. Now, uh, you, you met at a neutral site, right? We met at a Walmart. So you couldn't have been like, why don't you go back in the house and get the rest That's of that right. stuff? And yeah. it was an old broad mm-hmm. and her husband. This was the dude's mom. And this stuff had been sitting in the closet for about a million years. Now, I have filmed several videos, which I'm in the process of putting uh, editing up, uh, to compare the different, I mean, the 1200s. I got, uh, I will say, in the in the lot of stuff I got, uh, one Amiga 1200, sadly, no acceleration, no expanded, nothing. Just this 
as plain Jane as it can get. However, it did have in it a uh, wacky Dataflyer XDS expansion for the drive. This is wacky. I don't know if I went into this too much with you. No. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about um, it. So. so I'll go into it real just briefly. Like I'm, I'm literally, this is the Amiga show. You need to go into well, it I mean, hardcore. I'm making a video for it. Okay, so okay. I, but picture, oh, if you open up an Amiga 1200, there's a, there's a, three, there's a two and a half inch uh, hard drive you know, connector in there. You hook mm-hmm. your hard drive or your compact flash card up and you're laughing, right? Well, um, data flyer, which we now have every wacky data flyer thing ever made. We, we, we should own stock in data flyer. Uh, uh, we've got to talk to my buddy that says he worked for him about this oh, thing. Man. So this is a real weird thing. So this thing has a cable that runs to that port, and then it's also got a, a, a like a I guess like a, a second connector that you can hook your internal drive up to anyway. Then you run this cable, which the cable looks like a big IDE cable, but it's sort of a, some kind of proprietary cable. You somehow, however you want to do it, you run this cable out the side of the Amiga, out the bottom. This guy had it running out the expansion slide, uh, which I can't do that because I put an expansion card in it. So I just ran it out the side, just shut the thing on top of it. And it runs to a little external drive box. Inside the box, you've got room for a a a 3.5-inch or a a 2.5-inch hard drive. And it's also got a power adapter on the back where you can use the Amiga's power. So... Uh, effectively what you're getting is uh, and this guy didn't have a drive in the machine so th- he was using this external thing to be his drive his main drive because mm-hmm. you can boot off of it or you can you know use it as a secondary uh, so I hooked now up- let me ask you a question before you go on yeah the you can put an internal hard drive in a 1200 right right so what do you think this guy's reasoning was for using for buying a data flyer and using it that way uh, I've got a pretty good idea. Um, if remember, think back, pretend it's 1993. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, what is a two and a half inch hard drive? It's a laptop hard drive, right? That comes with certain shortcomings, right? Their drive capacity is smaller, the uh, speed is slower, plus, and this is the big one, it's it's more expensive. Okay. I looked this thing up at retail for about 80 bucks, okay? But it allowed you to use a three and a half inch hard drive in a two and a half inch slot, right? So you could get the larger, cheaper hard drive and put it in this thing. I assume that's why you would get one. That makes sense. And he did have, sure enough, a three and a half inch drive in this, which I believe was like a, uh, I wanna say it was like a 30 meg drive or something mm-hmm. like that. So at the time, say 93, what what were the differences in like what did your average laptop hard drive max out at? Boy, you're asking. I can't remember that back. I know there was a difference. I can't remember what it, that. Who knows? In '93, I couldn't afford any of that stuff. Um, I I would say probably. I you know I'm not sure what it maxed out as, but I know that I knew and to this day it's still true. The little ones are more expensive than the big ones, which is funny if you think about it because the big ones have more material in them. Um, this thing had, a, like I said, it had a hard drive in it. And so when I got it back to the house, I just hooked it up. And sure enough, hard drive spins right up, works like a champ. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've got it hooked up right now. At the house, right now, it's just, I just left it in there. Um, I tried putting a compact flash card in the external hard drive case. Uh, and I have not had any positive results. I'm not sure if it's my adapter. I don't know what it is. It seems like it should work. 
like I said, the, 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 the cable coming out of the Amiga is a proprietary cable. It's not an IDE or SCSI cable. I don't know what it is. It may, maybe, it, I don't think it's a SCSI cable. I don't know what it is. It's something weird. But it's shooting power out. It's, it, you, like I said, the Amiga's powering this thing. So it's, a, it's an odd cable. It's, all, it's, it's, it's an unusual little device. Like I said, it's not something that's going to be worth, and especially nowadays, no one really needs that because the compact flash, you put a couple gigs in there. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you had an Amiga and you wanted to put your old hard drive in it on top of your compact flash, I, ho- I hooked this thing up to be a slave and it worked fine with my existing compact flash stuff. So it's wacky. I, that'll, I don't see any reason to keep it, uh, but I, I, I had to do a little video on it, so I'm in the process of fishing that up. But yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy little adapter. Um, also with the uh, lot was a uh, 1084S monitor. I don't think it works. Uh, it come You hear it come on, but I don't get a light. But I had good luck with the last monitor. I was going to say, could, you, you rebuilt the one that, you, that was well, broken. Well, I wouldn't right? say that, but I did fix it. But I, I'm going to give this to the It's in the van. It's ready to go back to, with me to, to the lab. Mm-hmm. Um, also included with this, and, this, and I brought a, a box of stuff we're going to look through for fun. But also included was a big bag of cables, and it was literally like TV cables. It's crap. There was nothing there I wanted. There was a weird bag of peripherals, uh, like uh, cabling for the Amiga, you know, monitor cable, uh, printer cable. It came with a star printer, small printer, which I haven't tried, and an extra thing of ink, a box. Um, it also came with some weird joystick things. This, a steering wheel like this. I don't know how it works. Hmm. And this weird multicolored pedal thing. I'll bring those on the show sometime and we'll have to figure out what the hell they are. Okay. It also came with a quick shot gamepad. I don't know if it works. I haven't tried that yet. Um, it came with some other weird peripherals. I mean, it just, it was oddball uh, stuff. And it also, and on, on a Mac joystick, I think it's a Mac joystick. And then it also came with the Mac. And what was the number of that Mac? Do you remember that? I think it was a, a 60, 6220 CD. Yeah, and it, which is a, it's a CD-ROM based Mac. With, it was a PowerPC Mac mm-hmm. with a, uh, a disk drive. And you said it's probably a hard drive. And I have not hooked up the Mac yet. Probably wait till you come over to hook that up. Okay. And it's got a VGA adapter as well. So overall, I'm pretty happy uh, with it. It wasn't the as awesome as it could have been, but it was still. I came out ahead, even with the trip down, and now I can sell my twelve hundred, my old one, and uh, uh, I don't see any reason to have two of them. Although it's neat right now to have, as I bragged on Twitter, I've got more Amigas than probably anyone in the state <laughs> in my house right now. I, yeah, that's <laughs> got, probably true. <laughs> got four, three, three Amigas and the CD thirty two. So that's kind of fun, but uh, uh, the day we had also had a great time that day, and as we mentioned on the pre-show, running around Lewisburg, so it was a it was a good time. Anyways, I thought we'd look through a couple of these uh, wacky things. This is a box uh, right here. I'm just gonna bring this on the screen a little bit of just crazy, uh, crazy books and stuff that came with came with it. I'm just gonna grab a couple of these. We're not gonna look through them all. I mean, I looked at some of this stuff, and it was some real weird stuff. So. But this first one here, again, I don't, ex- I can't explain any of these. It's, it's the Game Boy. I guess it's the original Game Boy. Yeah, the original Game Boy, Final, uh, Final Fantasy, Fantasy Legend, Legend mm-hmm. book. Very neat. 
Um, I actually, the first Game Boy <laughs> role-playing game I ever played was Final Fantasy Legend 2. Oh, well, there you so, go. Yeah. So these are pretty old, then, yeah. aren't they? Here's uh, Turn and Burn for the Game Boy, the manual. Uh, you're more of a Nintendo guy than me. Here's, hey, you got to have this manual. You can't play the game, right? The manual for Tetris. <laughs> the Tetris manual. Oh, wow. Pretty weird, right? Play action football. I game owned Boy. that. I owned that. Really? Yeah. So this is a trip down memory lane yeah. for you, eh? Yeah. Now, here's the Game Boy Owner's Manual. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of neat. you know. Now, here's something wacky. Sega Saturn Sampler. So I guess I did get some Saturn uh, games. Let's see the disc is in here. There's a disc in it. Let's see what's the disc. Again, I haven't really looked at this stuff. Yep, there it is, the Sega Sampler. I sold one of these Sega Samplers for huge money one time. Really? It was a super rare one. Wow. Uh, this is something. This is a K Exotech K2... Uh, this might be that weird foot thing. I don't think you can make head or tails out of that. I don't know what the heck that is. And then here is some. Oh, here you go, Bo. The, this is this is a uh, this is a owner's manual for rollerblades. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Just... <laughs> I've been needing that. Now, sadly, the software's not in here, but this is run Windows on a Power Mac. Oh. That sounds like something I'd want to cast into the furnace. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Adobe Pro- PostScript products. Can't have enough of those. Soft Windows. I've never heard of this program before. Um, Interesting. Here is a weird man. Some kind of weird. Um, oh, here, here. You it's take a, a look at that. These are, no, these are a little like. Uh, this is some sort of catalog. Oh, this is a comic book. Comic book catalog. Okay. What do you got? So this is uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Oh, this is uh, this is something called American Entertainment Sci-Fi Supplement Number One. <laughs> so wow. this is a I think it's a it's a it's a sci-fi merchandise catalog. Okay. Uh, you can order posters, and this is back when you know like you had to get the there was no internet, so you had to get these catalogs to get the this stuff. <laughs> you know, normal stores did not stock all of this merchandise. Yeah, yeah. So. Now, here's some really interesting neat. stuff here, Boat. Look at this. This will come in handy. 1084S Monitor cool. Owner's Manual. Cool. And then we've got uh, the 1200 Guide. Got to yeah. have that. Uh, the AGA Supplement. Got to have that, the right? AGA Supplement. Um, Workbench 3 Manual. It's funny because this is uh, <laughs> this is one of those manuals where this is the English part, and then this is the 19 other languages. Yeah, that yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's that. Now, here's something. you got to laugh at this, but we've covered this on the show. The Epics Winter Games Instructions. Awesome. And they, this is the 2600, 1700, and the Telegrams. So this is including the 1700 Wow. <laughs> Apparently, you didn't need any any now, special instructions. Now, this is old school. Wow, I didn't expect to see these in here. Atari 2600 Double Dunk Manual. I've never even heard of that game. Double Dunk. Double There's dunk. so many crazy ones. Oh, here's the one we I guarantee you've heard of. But the Atari 2600 version Super Baseball. Yep. Mm-hmm. Super Baseball. I've got Super Baseball somewhere right over there. Uh, gosh, it's funny. we got all these little manuals. Here's the yeah. manual for Frogger. Mm-hmm. E.T. Is it E.T. Tips? Look at that. Is that a little poster? What is that? You can figure it out. Yeah. All right, we should probably wrap this yeah, segment yeah, up for yeah. our audio listeners. Yeah, what are you saying? They're not enjoying this? <laughs> you saying things, of you know, titles of manuals, and I saying, yep, that's what that is. There's one more thing in here that I thought was interesting. <laughs> Let me see here. Here is the manual for Deluxe Paint 4. Now, that is a manual. <laughs> this is back when they made manuals for real. This is the... 
you know, spiral bound. I mean, you need to have a manual like this, obviously, for something like deluxe that paint. Back in the but day. Uh, that's a really cool thing to put on the bookshelf. And lastly, and this has, did not come with the batch, but I accidentally bought this last week. My copy of Cannon Fodder 2 came in the mail. <laughs> it's in pristine condition. There's no grenade in here, though, unfortunately. But uh, that's the way she goes. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing that stuff. Oh, that's, no problem. That's the first. Of, the next batch will be the weird joysticks. I'll bring some of those over. We'll try awesome. to get up to those. All right. Well, uh, we should probably move on to this week's Amiga news. All right. Um, we had some interesting news this week, actually. Let me grab the uh, Amigatron 5 million here. So, um, first off, just a little gloat. We, in fact, finally hit 200 members on the Google Plus uh, page. So, <laughs> congratulations to all the members. Good job. Thanks for lingering. <laughs> we actually occasionally get some action in there. Yeah. Um, so, our uh, buddies over at the company this week released another one of their uh, famous EXE all-in-one Amiga files. Uh, 2.6 uh, version for Fire Force. I like the uh, the caption here. A military action shooter you might want to play. Yeah. I mean, maybe. <laughs> well, you know, they went. They took the time to you know do it. So if you you know if you know that sort of thing. So the big news for me this week, and this is actually sort of pertinent to you, Boat, since you just sort of mentioned this on the pre-show. Um, it's really it's actually a couple weeks old, but I, I haven't covered it until this week. So I get a chance to look at it. Um, a fellow has released what he's calling the ultimate Amiga for RetroPie uh, collection. Uh, and what this is, is a, uh, a, a RetroPie image that uh, has, it, has it all, presumably. Um, I downloaded this, and I've actually put it on a card, but I haven't got to look at it yet. Uh, but uh, there's a forum, or a, it, there's a group on Facebook called the WHD... Uh, RetroPie users, groups, something like that. I've been a member of that place for a while, and they, they always have good tips on what to do and how to in, implement this stuff. And what someone who was a pretty big deal, I think, in that area, what he did was he basically took all the knowledge, information, and the packs, everything they figured out throughout the last couple of years, and he rolled it into one huge collection. Uh, the collection takes over 60 gigs to install on your SD card. So if you're going to get this for your uh, for your uh, Pi, you're going to have to have a, like a above a 64 gig card, uh, and it's pretty pretty massive. Uh, now that said, and I mentioned this on Google Plus, this collection did not sit well with the uh, movers and shakers on the Facebook group, which they never they never do. And I you know I can and they're they're, I guess they're upset because it's just like any of these collections, like we've talked about with uh, pinball, we've talked about with the uh, uh, the uh, fighting game, uh, you know, collections. People are afraid they're not going to get credit for what their work or people, which I can understand. That said, um, I can tell you firsthand that cobbling together uh, these images to get your WHDs to load is a pain. It's very difficult, and I've read nothing but good things about this collection. The guy doing it was a a real ace, and uh, he's already released an update pack, and he's got another one coming because people are sending him uh, fixes. Uh, and so, if you're looking to get in the Amiga game and you t for on the cheap, 
you can get you a 128 gig uh, micro SD card, a Raspberry Pi, and you're pretty much in probably for under 70 bucks. You know, um, the performance is good. You know, it'll run all the Amiga stuff pretty well. Uh, you know, if you don't have a problem with it, it's it, we're getting into a, it's like a double gray area, really. You've angered the people that helped figure out how to use the collection. Plus, you of course are also pirating a bunch of crap. Right. So, um, and not only that, it's a really triple because you're also presumably probably not uh, owning the 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 workbench ROMs that you need to run this stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean that's that's absolutely true. You know, it's funny. I'm torn on this one. You know, I downloaded it, so it shows you where I'm at. Uh, I don't need it, really. I I got just to look at it, uh, and I thought I could might be able to use some of the content for my uh, uh, for my Calanto Amiga Forever. Mm-hmm. Um, that much said, one thing Amiga Forever can't do apparently. And Lord knows I've spent the whole week trying to figure it out. Is run WHD load files directly from the front menu, right? And which is one thing that this collection will do. Mm-hmm. It just loads them right up. Um, I don't have a problem with just going into and playing them like that, but it's convenient to be able to run them. Um, the the Kickstart ROMs. I mean, we've sort of beat that horse down. You know, Colanto owns them. I, and I, as much as I love Amiga Forever, and you know I've raved about it, you know the ROM thing. I just I don't get. I just don't get it. At, after all these years, enforcing. I mean, and they really don't really enforce or copyright on it. But I mean, they want you to pay for it. You know, I don't know. When is that stuff? I mean, to me, we've already went down there. Right? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's. So, but anyway, it's out there. If you're interested in getting it, it's mm-hmm. out there. There you go. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move over. We only have one site update this week. Uh, over at everythingamiga.com and it is Dreamcatcher again. He's done a sequel to his um, his article on Masters of the Universe for the Amiga and this time... <laughs> I couldn't believe this. He takes a look at the C64 version. Uh, the, or it's, it's not really the C64 version, it's the C64 Masters of the Universe. He just must be on a He-Man kick. Um, and so he really does a great job and actually I think this game doesn't look too bad. Um, it's called the Ill Earth Stone, and uh, if I scroll down here, it sort of has a, um, I like the skulls cracked, that is, you know, one of your scoring metrics, um, and it's, it's got the, uh, it's got almost like a Sierra King's Quest type, uh, you know, screen where, you know, your sprite is small and the, the backgrounds are, are very detailed. Um, of course, this is, uh, not a, um... It's it's not a point and click adventure game, but um, it's it looks neat. It looks neat. Did you get a chance to look at this? I looked it over. You know, <clears throat> I never had a C sixty four as you know, and uh, go, looking at stuff like this, if you consider the era, and I think that's the Spectrum version. Mm-hmm. If you consider the era w- when this was out, all right, you, you're talking uh, way back, and if consider the era of this when C sixty four was there and there was no Amiga and Atari ST. This I wish I'd had access to one of these because those game screens look awesome. Mm-hmm. And I mean, coming from the Coco, and I love my Coco. Don't get me wrong. And I know you loved your Atari, mm-hmm. but I mean, this is some good looking stuff. Yeah, you know, and it looks like the kind of game I would have loved. It, it, I like stuff that felt open ended, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and and that, at the time it was like, man, this is so great. You can just do anything you want, right? Man. Right. When you really didn't realize what that meant. Mm-hmm. And this game looked. I mean, I know the game might stink, but it looked it looked kind of fun. I never liked He Man. I mentioned that before, but this looks like my kind of game. And I, I just like the graphics. They have a nice look to them, you know. So, eh, I'll have to come back to the C sixty four days when I get my C sixty four forever. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for site updates this week. Uh, so let's go ahead and roll on over to this week's game, Fury of the Furry. All right. Let's get into it here. So this is a game that Boat, I believe you had done a uh, Amigos plays on a mm-hmm. while back. I did, this is the first time I'd already had a look at it. So um, this game came out in 93. It was developed by an outfit called uh, uh, At Read Concepts. Um, they didn't do that many games on the Amiga. They did something called the Brainies. <laughs> well, which is it's a long story. They did a thing called Tiny Skaviks, and a and then my favorite paragliding simulation. <laughs> of course, um, <clears throat> this came on five discs or on CD five. That's a lot. That's a lot of discs. It was published by an outfit called Callisto. This is the only game they ever published on the Amiga. Um. The coder of this was a guy named Sebastian <laughs> Walk W L O C H. Want to try that one? Um, Maybe Locke. Like yeah, I think so. Uh, I, if you look down the list of the people that worked on this, with the really none of them did much on the Amiga except for here and there stuff. It was you know uh, they didn't do a whole lot, and this is the only game that Sebastian did on the Amiga as well. Um, so, what is this game? Um, to me, I'm going to let you get more into it, but it sort of reminded me of like a, um, a more arcadey Lost Vikings or something. It, you, uh, go ahead and explain exactly what you, explain the gameplay as best you can. Okay. Well, it's, it's not difficult. Um, you have at your disposal any number of little furry creatures. Uh, if you're watching the stream, you can see that there's some backstory here where they crash on another planet, yes. and they they've got to negotiate, you know, the, these various levels. Um, the way that it works is instead of ha- having you know multiple little furry creatures, you are one furry creature, and uh, depending on what color you are, you have different abilities. So tiny was his name. Is that the is that That's the name, the name of the guy? Okay, I, yeah. I I didn't investigate the lore, oh, so I'm yeah. glad that I you did. I had to get the backstory. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, for example, if you are a yellow guy, you can shoot a projectile, um, you know, and, and dispatch your enemies. If you're the the red furry, you have monster teeth and you can bite through things, you know, walls and floors and things. Uh, if you're the blue furry, you can swim underwater. The green furry has a uh, kind of a um, bionic commando ninja rope, like yeah. from Worms or something like that, and you use that. And so basically, each stage uh, gives you different challenges that you have to solve based on what furries you have to choose from. And to choose your furry, they actually, I think that this is one of the genius things about the game. Uh, they didn't make it a difficult keyboard combination. In fact, you don't even have to touch the keyboard. Uh, that was always the problem with Lost Vikings, if you remember, is that you're constantly taking your hand off the I controller to go to the that keyboard. Was the, that was the big flaw. Yeah. Right. So in Furry the Furries, 
all you have to do is hold down for a second or two and then you actually have a um, down on the bottom of the screen you can see all the different colors of furries you can choose from you just press left or right hit the button and you're immediately that color yeah it's, it's a, that's a better system yeah I mean, and, and that would have been even easier on lost vikings there weren't as many vikings yeah yeah you know, so yeah i don't know why they didn't go that route yeah so that's that's basically <laughs> the game in a nutshell uh the the early levels start out very easy and they basically demonstrate you know they're they're there to show you how to use the furries and as the levels progress it opens up so you'll have you'll have more different furries to choose from another thing that's kind of interesting about this game is that you don't just automatically start with all the furries all the time sometimes you have to go through these <coughs> portals that look like uh, confetti certain color confetti and when you go through that portal you get access to that furry um, and so just depending on what kind of challenge the level wants to throw at you they might give you all of them from the beginning but you might have to figure out how to access the particular furry that you need to complete the challenge the thing that threw me out it, it's funny when i first tried this game i sat down and played it and i i was just bebopping along had no idea what the concept of the game was and got to a point where i was like i can't jump to that and so then i got introduced to the bouncing concept right which is bizarre. Go it is. Explain yeah, that. Yeah, so that, that's another big thing in this game. So w the jumping is um, kind of exponential, where it's almost like bouncing a ball with infinite momentum. So when you when you jump <laughs> at the beginning, it's just a little jump, and then you double jump. and you, Oh, it's kind of like the triple jump that Mario has in Super Mario 64, if you've ever played that, where your first jump is small, but your, your successive jumps are bigger. Um, but in this game, you don't have to have any sort of facility at all with the controller. If you hold up, you'll just bounce until you get to your highest bounce. Now, I remapped my controls almost immediately to give myself a button for jump, and that made things a lot easier because yeah. a lot of times these jumps uh, are very precise, and if you... All right, if you're pressing up to jump, you're a lot of times, especially if you're playing with a 360 pad like I am, uh, you're you accidentally hit another direction as you're trying to jump up, and that's catastrophic. You just instantly described one of my the biggest pains in my hiney was was the controls of this game. It is how can I describe it? It feels it does not feel very console. Let's put it that way. It's that loosey goosey, mm -hmm. feel floaty, you know, mm -hmm. sort of a PC like Jill of the Jungle you know I mean and don't get me wrong it doesn't mean it's bad it's mm -hmm. just it's real loose and weird mm -hmm. and it took me all in between which I could I could, I could deal with that and I could also deal with bouncing the jump but doing both and hitting up yes that was a, a real I had all kinds of trouble the funny thing about this game for me is I didn't have any trouble getting past the first gosh I got pretty decently ways in the game I thought it was like I was like man this is so simple it's ridiculous mm -hmm. Uh, they do they do uh, a decent job of making you not feel like an idiot. It's one of the few Amiga games where I can play through it, and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm great. Right, As right. As opposed to, like, I'm horrible. <laughs> you know, why am I doing this? Uh, I thought I thought it, the uh, guys were suitably cute, you know, uh, um, or guy, Tony, and the bad guys. It, the game is, um, i trying the best way to describe it. It's... Uh, it's unusual. It's I mean, it's different. You know, that's for sure. I don't think I've... I mean, like I said, saying it's like the Lost Vikings isn't really fair. It's not really... It's way more arcadey than that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, one thing that I want to touch on is the music in this game. I loved the yeah, music. Yeah, the music was really good. I'll play a little bit of the track here. 
and uh, as we talk a little bit. Um, the, the music sounds like, I mean, it sounds like a song. It doesn't sound like this is what we threw in at the last moment to give us some background music. Like, it's got structure, um, and I think that it really fits. It's not too intense. It's a little bit relaxed, and it helps you relax as a player as you're playing. The fellow, the musician for this was a guy named Frederic Moult. Uh, this was made by, the, the studio is French, by the way, in case you didn't know it. And the other head musician was Oliver uh, Balmerte, something like that. Uh, he didn't do anything on the Amiga. Uh, Frederick did mostly the the Altred stuff, and then I looked at his other game list. I never heard of most of that stuff. So, but I mean, yeah, I just I, I, one of the reasons I wrote it down is like the music in this is pretty tight. I kind of yeah. liked it. It's got a nice groove to it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know, like I said, it fits the game real well. It's it definitely not an afterthought, right, uh, or something that somebody wrote the night after, the night before, you know, um, so. This game has, I believe it's got like eight levels. There, There's a bunch of different levels here. You've got, um, and I don't know how far you got into this, you can tell me. Uh, you've got desert, a lagoon, forest, pyramids, mountains, and a factory, and a village, and a castle. Uh, and then each one of those has different stages in, mm-hmm. the, in the level. Uh, the bad guy in this is a fellow called the Wicked One. Basically, mm-hmm. the whole story of this thing is they, these the, the tinies, uh, these little creatures uh, came back to their home planet after being in space, and they found out that uh, the wicked one had had jacked up their planet. And so basically, they're going to, you know, it's pretty it's pretty simple stuff. Um, this game got a, a pretty decent release. I, again, this is a game I I had heard the name of this, but I was way off. I didn't know what exactly it was. Again, you, you hear these names, and I don't know what I thought it was, but it's, I, mean, I thought it was like a fighting game or something. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing like that. But this game actually had a decent release. It was out on the, and I think the original version this was on the Apple, believe okay. it or not, the Mac. Uh, it also had a Game Boy release, which I think is interesting. Yeah. And, and a DOS VGA release. So that's that's which is kind of neat. Uh, now, let's get into the really weird part of this game. Which <laughs> boat? I was just, I briefly talked to Boat about this before, uh, before we went on air, and this is the part that struck me as strange. So. This game sort of, kind of got a release uh, on the Super Nintendo, uh, and it also the version of the Game Boy that when I mentioned this is on the Game Boy, it is on the Game Boy, but it's in the same version that the Super Nintendo got. Uh, basically, these guys worked the deal out with Namco, okay, and they released this game as a Pac-Man franchise game. All right, how strange as that sounds. Uh, the game was called Pack in Time. Now I had never heard of this game, uh, ever, ever, uh, and I, I I thought I knew most of the Pac Man games, but I was way off base. So in the in the uh, in the Game Boy version, it's the Game Boy version. Of this is pretty much it. Just took out Tiny and put in Pac Man. <laughs> That's pretty much it. They made a few changes and it was ready to go. The uh, I watched some of the Super Nintendo version of this, which I believe is what you've got mm-hmm. on the screen now. The Super Nintendo version looks great, uh, and uh, but it retains pretty much the same gameplay. I mean, mm-hmm. I think they've mixed the levels up, and they've enhanced them a little bit. For the most part, it's pretty much the same game, but you're Pac-Man. It's got the whole Pac family in it. I watched the intro. Uh, <clears throat> it's got Pac-Man, Pac-Baby, Miss Pac-Man. I'm just got them all, mm-hmm. you know, in there. I don't know if a Super Pac-Man was in there. Um, 
the funny thing about this is in the original game, there are references to all kinds of crazy things on the different levels. Uh, there's uh, references to like to Batman, Cool Spot, Street Fighter Two, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Pac-Man. So the which I thought was um, it was amusing that the a character that was referenced in the original game turned out to sort of like take over the game. It is weird how that it's kind of comes full circle. Yeah, now, did you see any of these weird references when you were? Did you get how far did you get into this? I know you played this a lot. Well, I don't know that. This is one of those games where I felt like I was playing it forever. Yeah. But the stages, like, I don't think I got past the first... The first the, the, the first the, round. Yeah, the first round. According to uh, this article I found here, um, at level two, uh, the pyramid stage, there's a uh, there's a giant ball trap, like a big boulder in Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's a, uh, a forest stage on level two that has a wrecked ATST, like Star Wars... <laughs> Then there's some, uh, there's a, oh, and this is the one I really caught my eye. There's some other things, but level nine is the village, and there's a giant white balloon-like enemy that chases the tiny around the village. Now, if you've ever watched The Prisoner, which I don't, I'm guessing you have not. That was way before my time. Well, it was before my time too. Ding, bad. <laughs> the Prisoner was a tremendous show. I'm the biggest fan of that show, and uh, uh, Patrick McGowan loved him. But the if you've watched that show that there's a uh, there's a entity around the village that keeps people from escaping, and that entity's a big white ball. It's called Rover, mm-hmm. and you don't want you don't want Rover to come over because he'll run you over mm. and he'll jack you up. So, but he Rover made the game, and apparently on that level there's all kinds of uh, uh, homages to the prisoner. Which hey, any game that pays homage to the prisoner is I'm down with. Um, so, they did pretty good with this game, though. And I don't know, but I mean, with the, in terms of the Pac-Man side of it, I don't, like I said, you were more of a Nintendo boy than me. You, you've not heard of that. You've never heard of that game at all, Pac-In Time? No, I mean, I remember Pac-Man 2, which was subtitled The New Adventures. Right. But Pac-In Time, that, that eluded me. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's what I'm, honestly, I've never, I've never heard of it. And, and from what the video I watched, I didn't even have it in my ROMs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, from the video I watched... It, I mean, just the same kind of wacky, floaty weirdness that yeah. this. Uh, I mean, it's the, the same, same physics game. engine. Yeah. yeah. So you know, who to thunk it? Um, so this game was pretty well received. Um, in '94, PC Gamer UK uh, named it the 40th best computer game of all time. Mm. High praise, indeed. Wow. Uh, the Amiga reviews were similarly decent. I can read them here. 80s and 90s. Um, well, have you ever, do we, have we ever mentioned a magazine called Amiga Dream? I don't know. I swear every week there's a new magazine that we have. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Amiga Format gave this like a 55%. So they didn't like it. <laughs> Amiga Power 77. Uh, the One gave it a 90. And Amiga Dream gave it a 90. So they liked it. So it's sort of all, I don't know how you get a 55 out of this. That's. That's a pretty crummy score. Yeah, you know, I don't know where, I don't know why, you know, got a score that low. Um, a little bit about uh, Callisto Entertainment, which is the publisher. Of this I, I found this kind of interesting. Um, <coughs> uh, so they they were around, you know, back in the day, and they eventually they got picked up and bought by Mindscape. Mm. Okay, so uh, then in '96. Uh, 
Nicholas Jaume, G-A-U-M-E, Jaume, uh, who I guess ran the company, bought back 100% of it from Mindscape. He bought his, bought his company back, effectively. And then they released some stuff uh, all the way up until like 2001. They were releasing stuff, including a, a couple sort of sequels to this in a way. I didn't look at these things, but one of them is called Tiny's Farter. So, sounds like a winner. One of the last games they released. They also released, and this is what I did remember, remember Nightmare Creatures? That was one of theirs. I, that's what I did play. Don't Google Tiny's Farter. Just, uh, don't just, worry. Just for your... Uh... Um, they also, I mean, here, amongst the games that these guys put out were was that anyone would have heard of would have been Power Monger. They released a version on that somewhere. And the, basically that and Nightmare Creatures 1 and 2 are the only ones I've heard of. Oh, Al Hunter Jr. Arcade Racing. So, but they were all over the map. Yeah. This is some weird yeah. stuff. Anyway, uh, so in June 2000, they were they acquired uh, a, an outfit called Daylight Productions and then renamed it Kalisto Entertainment USA. But unfortunately, as this happens, we've heard this time and time again. Um, after buying another company, they went bankrupt in 2002. <laughs> And uh, that was the end of them. And so that was 30 people gone. In 2002, they, they folded. So kind of a bummer. But, hey, at least they released Tiny's Farter before they went down. <laughs> and these guys were in uh, uh, Bordeaux, France. So they were based out, based out of France. So with all that uh, in mind, uh, where do you put this in the pantheon of ball-related arcade puzzlers? <laughs> Which I can think of... What, four? Well, <laughs> you know, this game does share some commonalities with Whizball. The bounce aspect of it, I guess, is what... <laughs> That's exactly That's what, what I'm I thinking That's what I mean. Of. I'm serious. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. So, um, I don't think that this was as uh, frustrating as Whizball was because it Ooh. doesn't have the... Uh, the sort of item collection at the beginning that you need to be able to, uh, to progress. I think that the controls were weird... They weren't weird in a in a totally frustrating way because the game was so easy in its <coughs> beginning stages. If they would have made a game like Super Frog, where just you know instant deaths and the spikes are plenty. I mean, in this game there are spikes, but you you can all you can see where oh, yeah. you're going most of the time. Um, I had a lot of fun with the 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 green guy with the ninja rope, you know, swinging around the stages and stuff like it that. Sort of, that sort of remind me of, of playing Worms. <laughs> right. I, I was a pretty good hand with the rope. Mm -hmm. That made this fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's unusual. It, it feels weird in a game like this, too. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's unusual sort of concept to throw in the, I mean, what would you, I, don't, I won't say platformer, but whatever this is. Well, you know, Bionic Commando, the whole game is based on that concept. I right, don't know if you ever played Bionic I Commando. I have, but, but I mean... This doesn't feel like Bonnie Commando. No, it's it's the the it's much more like a ninja rope in that you have like sort of three hundred and sixty degree swinging ability. You know, you're you're not limited by what is normal. Um, but I I don't know. There's I'm a sucker for a game with good music, and there are so many games on the Amiga that don't even have background music that I just it was such a treat to come across a game that I felt like I could make solid progress in while enjoying the music. Well, I'll kind of get into the characters a little bit. I mean, they're they are what they are. Um, but uh, overall, I, I mean, obviously, I like this game because I suggested we do it. Well, you know, music is good. There's no doubt about that. When I look at them, just when I break it down, the graphics, they're okay. They're okay. Okay. The character, again, it's not. 
they're okay. It's nothing. It's no great shakes. Mm-hmm. You know, the the tiny's he's okay. Right. It's not like remember the game for the uh, I think it was for the NES, the boy and his blob, mm-hmm. which the blob was an interesting character. Like I, this is sort of what I equate this guy to, and he's the blob's better. Mm-hmm. Right. This guy's okay, mm-hmm. but he's not great. Um, this game, I mean, it really is. To, I hate to keep mentioning it, but it's a, it's a, this is like a much more arcadey version of Lost Vikings. And I love Lost Vikings. If uh, uh, well, I liked it, I think I did like this a little more just because it was quicker paced. Yeah, and also like you, f- it felt more arcadey. I mean, yeah. like you could there were, and it was it varied a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that made it more fun for me. The thing that I liked more about this game <laughs> than Lost Vikings is Lost Vikings felt very. It didn't feel linear. It always felt like you were in a nine-story building. And, you know, you were trying to maneuver around in that. Versus these stages, you're doing the same sort of puzzle activity, but you have a clear path forward. To get it's to le- way less frustrating. Yeah. And that's a fact. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I would give it, you know, again, this, not necessarily my type of game, but uh, uh, I, I enjoyed it when I, when I played it. Uh, but it's not like I was licking my chops to get back at it. I'm I'm lazy when it comes to games. I like I don't like to have to think too much. I think that's the problem. Mm-hmm. So, but overall, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I did look it up on eBay. I, I wish I looked up Pack in Time. I did not look it up, but I did look up this game uh, on eBay. And let me tell you something. Um, again, this is another game that I don't know if it got an American release, uh, but uh, um, an American was selling one, and he was the only one. <laughs> so I'm assuming it did. Um, there have been two of these pop up on eBay. There's one currently up, and there's one that has sold. Uh, the one up right now, they're asking. Uh, it's in the U.S. They want sixty-seven dollars shipped in U.S. dollars. All right, pretty pretty high price tag, right? In oh the yeah. Box. And I thought to myself, well, this guy's efficient, right? Um, one sold like a month or two ago for seventy bucks, shipped. So. This that looks is, like your. It looks like about like the going rate. Yeah, it it, it seems to be. Uh, it, it seems to be more rare than pack in time. Pack in time, you've got. Uh, I'm looking at this auction right now. Uh, Twenty bucks gets you both pack in time and Miss Pac-Man. Now these are pretty rough examples. There is a, a um, an auction for a factory sealed copy going for three hundred and thirty bucks. Good luck getting that. See what but. the Game Boy's going for if you can find one okay. real quick. That'd be kind of interesting. Um, I like looking up these kind of obscure game companies, you know. And it's it's funny to me. This is a company that didn't do a ton, but they're still in bed with Namco. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That really surprised me. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how those deals get made. <laughs> you know, I guess they were big enough. I guess maybe when they were when they were hooked up with the uh, Mindscape, that's a pretty decently sized company, so they. They made the deal. Did you looks find like yeah, it looks like pack and time. You can get um, cart only for uh, looks like about thirteen bucks shipped. We so. may have to do it. We may have to do a comparison someday on those two. Yeah, that yeah, might that be kind of fun. Fine. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, Fury of the Furries. Also, the name stinks. Yeah. Well, Did I, I th- mentioned that it's it sounds French. No, yeah, it sounds no it's, good. I, I mean, I wonder what it was called, and it's. I'm sure that's a translation. Maybe it, maybe it lost. When something. I look at these guys, I don't think Fury. I think, I don't know what I think. Little Goose. And we really, <laughs> it's. Well, would, would you rather it be called Little Goose? I mean, how many little? It's like a 
a Tribble with big feet and big eyes. Yeah. Basically. It's a little, but I mean, how many times have you seen that kind of concept? A little fur ball. You know, I could have done, I and mean, they could have done, I think I would have chosen something a little more interesting. What, what would you have chosen? Well, the blob angle is, I think, is okay, but it's sort of been done too. So, you know, what is an unrepresented item in video games? Let me think here for a minute. Um, how about, oh, I don't know, uh, a porcupine. That'd be kind of neat. Why not a porcupine? Or um, some sort of mythical creature. Well, I think that's that all I got. So this is why I don't make video yeah. games. Yeah, I think that you need to have something that is a little bit more nondescript, like a blob, because you're going to be sw- you know the the different abilities of these things. You know, you want to have something that they can assume it without changing. I think too a porcupine could pull off all the stuff this guy does. Oh, sure. He shoots. He bounces. He also swings. The swinging. I mean, what you're describing is Sonic the Hedgehog, though. Yeah, but he's a hedgehog. I'm talking porcupine. Porcupines are cute. A sloth. That'd be another good one. Well, unrepresented. Sloths are unrepresented in video games, yeah. for sure. And they're super cute. They are super know? cute. So. I'd love to have a pet sloth. Really? Well, probably not, but in my mind, I would. <laughs> you just said that to, to, to close the conversation. Let's yeah. <laughs> just call it what it is. Um, I want to thank uh, all of you, of course, for listening. Um, and uh, we are going to be stream- well, we're streaming tonight on Twitch. Our YouTube situation is weird right now because, for whatever reason, um, the chat functionality on YouTube Gaming is not working for me. Uh, so if you want to watch us live, you'd be best served by subscribing to our Twitch channel too so you can get notified. So when we do start streaming on Twitch, uh, we can, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get notified and you can come in. I'd like to thank uh, Gary Hucker for uh, stopping by in the chat and also Lurker74 who I believe is Jason so thank you guys for stopping by and uh, taking part in the show with us Um, Gary says great to hear you have a working A1200 now yeah oh man let me tell you having that second mouse button and not having this weird lock is all it's great and it's also much whiter than my old one sweet nice touch yeah yeah yeah. Um, and I'd also like to thank um, of course Hall of Light for all of the disc images uh, that we have on the, when we were showing the playthrough. And finally, uh, you might have noticed that we look a little bit more clear this week. And uh, this is the first episode that we're filming with our brand new uh, Panasonic G7 camera. And so this was all paid for with the help of our Patreon supporters. So you made this happen. You can see me and you and glorious. They, now definition. they need to pay for some math. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll be laughing or some sort of veil yeah, would, be, yeah. would also be good. And so uh, I want to thank our Patreon supporters. If you want to support Amigos on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. Wait a minute, honestly, before you do this. How come you don't rap or sing or dance or, or read these dramatically? What happened to that? That, that was I'm not, the spice. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I kind of ran out of ideas. Nah, I knew it. See, that's the next thing I want to hear. Write in some ideas so we can make Boat do some funny stuff with the with the names. Okay. Because as much as I hated that, now I miss it. I'm like, it's like a heroin addiction. It's killing me, but I gotta have more. Um. So here we go. I'm gonna read the names, possibly for the last time, without well, being silly, and then next week we're back to the silliness. It's sort right of silly, in. even when you read them, because even when you're serious, it's sort of funny. That's true. Christopher Hassel. Um, Ravi Abbott, Chris Foles, Dreamcatcher, Laurent Giroux, 
Graham Vebke, Brent Dowdy, Lane Denson, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Hucker, C. Brian Jones, Paul Harrington, Duncan Stiles, Alan Kebab, Anthony Jarvis, Tapes from the Crypt, Josh Dan, Will Williams, Adam Bradley, Neil Mansell, Jonas Rulo, THT, Eric Nelson, Kim Tommy Humberstad, Daniel Bingston, Brutal Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Warns, Pixels at Dawn, and Kjolbjorn Barman. <laughs> so There's some great names in there. There are. We've got the best Patreon names in the world. It sounds like if you assembled these people, like it'd be like a, a fighting force. I know. Of extraordinary this is, magnitude. This is, this is like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It is. <laughs> it's a lot of these people. Or you're a picture like a character selection screen in a fighting game. Sure, man. It's like, yeah. you want Barman or Barracuda? It's just like, holy crap. I don't know Kebab. <laughs> Tape from the crib. You got all these guys. Oh. It's tremendous. Did I read tapes from the crypt? You didn't read it the cool voice. I, yeah, sorry about that. Tapes from it's the too crypt. late now. The moment's passed. It's true. The moment has passed. Next week, Aaron, this is your call. We're going to do a tribute to Data East. Yes. Love them. What does that mean exactly? The Data East? Yeah. They're super groovy, man. It's okay. going to be some swanky time. Are you going to reveal the games or is that yeah, going to be yeah. a surprise? Yeah, I already told you what I wanted to do, but I'll reveal them again. Okay. We're going to do two of my, two of my faves. I mean, in the arcade. Mm-hmm. We'll see how they stand up. The scrutiny of the non-review will give these. We're going to non-review the hell out of these. You got Sly Spy, right? And you've got, which I believe, uh, and I know this for certain, that because uh, this is where I got the idea, Dreamcatcher did a, uh, an, 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 no, take that back. Was it? I think Dreamcatcher, no, it was, uh, uh, help me out here, Kim. It was uh, Kim, Justice? Kim Justice did a video one. That's where I saw it. And it, and it was great, you know, but I love Slice Pie. And then we're going to do one of my all-time favorites, The Bad Dude. All or right. Dragon Ninja or Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja, whatever you want to call it. We're going to save gonna, Ronnie. We're going to be bad. That's right. We can right. do the cheer. It's going to be great. We're going <laughs> to save Ronnie. All right. So tune in. Next week, hopefully we'll be back on schedule. No, uh, no chance. Oh, oh. Zero uh, <laughs> percent. Tell them what happened this week. Don't blame me for this one. So this week, I'm starting a, a new part-time job, and I've got the, the training for that on, on Monday. So this will go up on Monday. You'll still hear it on Monday, but of course, we're recording it on Friday. Um, but we're, we're hoping to be back on Mondays. I'm not foreseeing any, any crazy things happening between now and then. But, of course, there probably will be. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, last Monday I was in a cave. I had no idea. So it, weird things happen, but. But wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we'll be back at some point in the future. Cranking out another one. That's right. <laughs> Until then, guys. Adios. Adios.